Whether it be in the New South Wales Ranges, Riverside in the Northern Territory, above treeline in New Zealand or Colorado, or in the tundra of Alaska, Hunting Camp is where the best stories are shared. Join me as I bring some of these stories to you, along with tips and techniques from some of the known and not so well known hunters of Australia and around the world. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Hi everyone, welcome to the show. I'm your host Craig Hales. Thanks for joining me for another episode. Um, I hope everyone's getting ready for uh, the festive season. Um, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of food, plenty of beers drank. Um, everyone enjoy their time with their family and, and hopefully got a bit of time off. You know, it's a good time to kick back and relax and, and think about what we're going to do for the for 2018, 2018, the year to come. So um, I'm sure I've, I, I definitely I know I've got big plans and it, and it kicks off nice and early and in January, with uh, myself leaving on the 11th of uh, January, I'm going to meet up with the Barred Magazine boys. Um, we're heading to the ATA show for a couple of days. Um, I'm super excited to, to check that show out. It's meant to be a good one. Um, I haven't really done anything like that before, so I'm super excited to get over there. And then on the 14th of January, um, I head down for my Ibex hunt in the Florida Mountains of New Mexico. So um, I've been training hard for that one. Uh, anyone who's been watching my Instagram page, we, you know, I've been um, right into the training of late and uh, eating healthy and all those kind of things and, and just really starting to get into shooting the bow and got me set up fine-tuned this week and, um, yeah, it's coming along really well. So getting confident but, um, you know, certainly not, spec- you know, making any expectations for the trip, you know, I'm just going to make sure I enjoy it. So, um, and then from there, who knows what will happen. Hopefully a little bit of luck will go my way, so... Anyway, enough about me. This episode today, he's uh, you know, it's a great guy. He, um, he he's very prominent on the on social media. Um, he's a he's just a good genuine boat to go with it. Jack Jack Spinks. He uh he he's a man that just has certainly got a passion for traditional archery. Um, he 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 takes his his recurve bow everywhere he goes, and um, you know, we just had a really fun conversation. He uh, he lives in. Southwest of New South Wales, so we did have a bit of trouble with Wi-Fi. Unfortunately, we dropped in and out, but um, please, it, it came out pretty good, uh, considering the problems we have. And um, you know, so please just just bear with it. No complaints. You know, we it was too good of a conversation to record or any of those kind of things. So we just took it as it comes, and um, I, I really think everyone will get something out of it and uh, a bit of a laugh to go with. You tell some pretty good stories. So um, I really hope everyone enjoys this one and. Um, you know, give him a bit of a follow. Check him out on social media if you haven't already. You know, and um, you know, he, he certainly he's always got great content on his pages. So he's um, he's just one of those guys that you know says all the right things. So um, and secondly, I've got to give a big shout out to the the Cayuga Broadhead boys. Um, I received a good package in the mail the other day. Their new Broadhead design, um, personally, I think he's going to be an absolute game changer. Um, I know the people that some of the boys have been working with, you know, here locally in Australia and, and, and working on the design. Um, I really think it's going to turn some heads and I'm really looking forward to putting them to the test as well. And I think they'll have a place in my quiver for sure. So, anyway, jump over onto the Cayuga Broadheads um, on Instagram or Facebook and, and check out their new design. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to be released pretty soon. Just working on some finer details. Um, but yeah, you know, they're, they're something that everyone should be checking out. and if, if you're a um, someone that 
gets a little bit technical with their shooting, you know, I think you're going to see the benefits to this head. So, um, yeah, look forward to, I'll be doing some reviews and, and I'm sure you'll see a few others as well. So, anyway, let's jump to the episode, Jack Spinks. Enjoy. We've got to get into it, mate. Yeah, right. Hey, um, Sounds uh, good. I've got enough gear, so I should be right. <laughs> all good, mate. I'm on Cody, mate, so we're all good. <laughs> oh, right. Eh? Wisdom, wisdom teeth, mate, I'll tell you. Oh. Well, mate, uh, well, welcome to the podcast, mate, anyway. Thanks for having me, mate. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. I've been listening to them so far and I'm loving them, so, yeah, no, thank you. No, mate, your support's been awesome, so, mate, uh, sharing me around the world, I'm loving it. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's been really good. It's good to see that um, you see in America everyone doing podcasts and that, and you sort of, we struggle to relate a bit, but now having an Aussie version, uh, it's brilliant. Yeah, I'm loving it, mate. It's um, like obviously, well, just like yourself, it's it's awesome. We can buddy have a chat, and you know, I'm meeting people that you know before you sort of you know watch ourselves on Instagram and Facebook and all the rest of them. But um, it's good to finally have a chat with people. It's bloody awesome that way. Yeah, yeah, no, you're dead right. Like you get to see uh, what everyone's doing through Facebook and Instagram, and um, every now and again you get to send a message to someone to say well done and that. But it's uh, it's always good to be able to um, yeah, give them a call and say well done and really get into a good conversation about how it all went down. Definitely, mate, definitely. Well, mate, um, obviously, you know, you and I don't know each other and um, and haven't spoken before, so I'm really keen to sort of jump in and get a bit of your history, to be honest with you. Um, you know, obviously, firstly, probably tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you get up to day to day and um, we'll jump in from, from there. Yeah, right. Well, um, oh, I, I live in southwestern New South Wales in a tiny town called Kylite. Uh, if you blink while driving through, you'll miss it. It's um, pretty much it's a boat ramp and a pub. So some <laughs> people say that's all we need, but um, yeah, it's a tiny little town. We live on a farming property and only a small farm. Now we sort of downgraded a bit over the last few years, but. Uh, we yeah, run a firewood business here as well, and uh, I work for my parents and that, so it, that makes the bow hunting side a lot easier. I can pretty much say to the old man to um, yeah, shove the work for the weekend. I'm going hunting, <laughs> so that's always uh, it uh, suits my lifestyle. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah, he'd get you back though. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Don't worry about that. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So southwest New South Wales, um, you'd have most things to chase down there, wouldn't you? Yeah, see, I, I always growing up uh, bow hunting, always thought, oh, I'm in the wrong spot. There's nothing here. Um, but then as I got older and sort of started to expand a little bit as of where we were hunting, uh, we started to find that, yeah, I'm sort of in a, as you say, like in the centre of everything. So I've got got our deer, our fellow and reds, they're about, I don't know, sort of 40, 50 minutes and got pigs. Um, pretty much on the farm and uh, close by as well. So within two hours, yeah, you can pretty much chase uh, most deer species and yeah, your pigs and goats and everything else in between. Yeah, awesome. What um, what stock you run on the farm? You sheep out there or sheep and cattle or? Yeah, we're mainly um, uh, cropping, but yeah, we've got a few sheep on at the moment. Um, my brother, he's just moved back down from northern New South Wales for a couple of months, so he's he's got a little head of. Um, Dorpers running around out the paddock, so 
we're sort of looking after them now, but yeah, we don't really have too much on at the moment. Yeah, and what sort of crops are they? You guys weed out there, or yeah, everything. wheat and barley, or whatever grows in this black stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I um, I remember like I grew up on a piggery actually, so we used to use about thirty ton a month um, of grain, and I actually I've actually heard the little town before. We actually had wheat come come from out there one time when it was hard to get. So oh right, so, eh? yeah, we had it was amazing. We had different places. Obviously, back in the day, you know, it went through the roof and. You know, wherever you could pick up a load, I'm talking back sort of late 90s, early 2000s. And um, yeah, it was interesting. That's the only reason I know some of those little towns is from the wheat wheat side of things. But, but, um, but mate, moving forward, it, um, how long had you sort of like did you pick a bow up straight away or did you were you a rifle shooting or like is it always something been something you're doing? Uh, well, the old man, he's a, I'd say an old school pig owner, so, uh, he loves his rifles, he mucked around with dogs and that sort of stuff when he was younger, where we, uh, he used to own a property where they'd go out and they'd stay there for a couple of weeks working and there used to be pigs running up and down the creek, so he'd be out with his rifle and his blue heelers chase them up, so when we grew up as kids, I suppose, hunting was always going to be distilled into us, regardless of what sort, and, uh, we started off... I'm one of four boys, so we all started off um, pretty much with the, the 22, running yep. around chasing rabbits and sort of stuff around the farm, and uh, we got to, I don't know, sort of grew up a bit, and the old man used to love, or still loves, his cowboy movies, and when we used to watch him with, um, watch the movies with him, I used to barrack for the, the Indians against the cowboys, <laughs> so... I think that's where it started, I used to love when they used to cut out the bows and um, carry on a bit, so... I think I bought my first bow when I was about 10 years old. It was a little red fiberglass one you could buy anywhere now. I think it's those red zone yep, got them. bows. Yep. Yeah, mate, geez, I, the second I picked that up, uh, that was the end of me. I was, <laughs> yeah, I could nearly hit the left eye out of a fly with that little long bow after a while, so I shot it <laughs> that many times. It, um, I mean, it, it certainly helps, you know, having the farm. You know, obviously you've been on that all your life. It, it's easy to... You know, just wander out and have a shot. I was, I was fortunate. I was the same. I, I had a farm, so we could shoot morning, afternoon, whatever we wanted to. But I didn't start till a little bit later. I think I was twelve. I think my first bow. But were you young, young, or were you, you know, teens? Or uh, yeah, I was probably, I was about around that age, I suppose. When I sort of, I started with a longbow, that one I bought, and then one Christmas, uh, mum and dad bought me a little compound bow. So, yeah, truth behold, I did start with compound bows hunting, so... That's um, no lucky swearing. Yeah, I know. It's sort of, <laughs> I don't tell many people that, but I suppose it's out there now. You're going now. Uh, I did, um, yeah, I did start with a little compound bow, and I shot that for a while, a few years, and uh, a new gunshot opened up in town, and they had this new bow on display, and, you know, I begged mum and dad... And, and, um, yeah, they bought it for me. And from then on, I, I did a bit of hunting that. I think I shot a couple of goats and uh, a couple of very unlucky rabbits and that sort of stuff. <laughs> but um, I really struggled to keep up with the sights. I kept breaking sights. I kept breaking ARS. I didn't know how to fix it. I was actually making my own sights out of washers and nice. wire at one stage. <laughs> anyway, so I got to the stage where I was like, oh, this is crazy. I can't eat anything. I... I'm relying on a set of sights that I don't even know if they're 
decided in or not, but these arrows are coming out no good anyway. So I sort of I kept persisting. And mum, she was working for a uh, like a, a hack service or a health service in town. And there was a nice old fella that had one of his legs amputated at one stage and mum had to go around and she'd check up on them every couple of days, make sure they're getting their food and all that sort of stuff. That pretty much just keep an eye on them. Anyway, on the wall, he had this recurve bow and she knew that I loved archery and that sort of stuff. So she asked this old fella, uh, what's the story going? It turns out uh, he used to live in Northern Territory and he used to shoot eat pigs and that sort of stuff with his bow. Anyway, at the end of the day, he said to mum, well, if your boy loves archery as much as he does, please take the bow home and give it to him. Sweet. So she rocked up at home with his beautiful recurve bow and I think three dozen American hickory shafts and, oh, mate. Nice. Oh, yeah, I was gobsmacked and I shot this thing. Um, flat out compound bows. I think they're still collecting dust now. So, And, oh, I shot... <laughs> Oh, thousands and thousands, thousands of arrows, and from then I was um, I was addicted. So I didn't have to worry about sights. I didn't have to worry about the quiver falling off or the rest falling and this sort of stuff. And I just thought, mate, this is so much easier than this other this other business. So uh, I stuck with it, and I reckon still to this day, if I picked up a compound bow, I'd, I'd be in trouble. I think I watched a little Instagram post the other day about you you shooting a uh, a compound bow. Was that you? Oh, yeah, how uncomfortable did I look? <laughs> I'm not saying anything, but <laughs> it, it oh, was mate. definitely different for you. Like, it was a, it was, I think it was 80 pound, and it was about the right draw length, that sort of stuff. I had a rough idea how to shoot, but, geez, I thought holding a recurve back was hard. Geez, this thing, <laughs> it wanted to pull every muscle out of my shoulder. Oh, yeah, it's funny. It's just what you get used to, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it was incredible, and, um, oh. I settled the pin on it. I think we were shooting a 3D target. I settled the pin on it, and that pin was floating around like a one of those little fist bobbers. Jeez, I couldn't even hold it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It was pretty funny. I had a giggle. That was good. That was good. Is it the... Yeah, um, no, I'd, uh, big sigh of relief after I let the arrow go anyway. <laughs> what is it with uh, with a traditional, mate? Like, it, you, you fascinate me with, um, you know, because you've, you've really stuck to it. Like, man, rest of us over here, we... You know, we have a play around with it. You know, when we're out for a hunt, one of the boys generally brings one along or something like that. But, like, yeah, you intrigue me the way that you you really stick to it. Is it the simplicity or is it the, you know, you said it about the Indians, but is it going like, do you feel like you're going back to the roots or can you can you put a finger on it, what it is? I, I don't think I can. It's, um, I like the challenge sort of thing. I don't. One thing I've always said to the boys when I'm hunting with fellas that are using compounds is I don't like to rely, I find it hard to rely on something to almost do the job for me. See, when you pull a compound bow back, you're 100% reliant on those sights to be accurate every time or that release aid to drop at the right time or whatever. Gotcha. In your case, uh, if you make a bad shot, at some stage, you could say, oh, my sight was out or the rest was moved across or something like that. So with the recurve, I know if I make a bad shot, 100% it was my fault. So I can sort of, 
I know where to improve if I pull off a bad shot. Well, yeah, that was my fault. If I pull off a good shot, well, that was my fault too. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, it sort of just stuck with me. I just found it easier that I find it uh, a bit more relaxing to shoot one of those things than having to worry about uh, things that go wrong with the compound. Don't get me wrong, things go wrong with recurves. Uh, there's many things that can go wrong, but I, I dare say a lot less than a compound. I've had a couple of boys uh, in camp that I've hunted with and they'll pull the bow back, pull their compound back, and they'll shoot at an animal and the arrow will go haywire. And I was like, what happened then? He said, oh, the release aid broke or my sights moved or, my, or something's gone wrong. And I thought, geez, see, that's, that's a bit hard for you fellas because when you leave camp, when you draw your bow back, you're 100% reliant on the gear you have and you're hoping it's still still working. So I suppose by using a recurve, I sort of eliminated that in my in my aspect there. And, and yeah, so if I get anywhere near an animal, well, I'm pretty lucky these days. <laughs> Comes instinctively. Yeah, so I, if, I don't know if that makes sense or not. but yeah, um, Definitely, mate. No. I mean, you know, I'm putting you on the spot too to try and come up with an answer, but um, it looks like you, it looks like you really enjoy it though. Like everything I see, um, you know, when you when you're out for a hunt or you're putting a little video up or something like that, like you genuinely enjoy shooting shooting the uh, the traditional bow. Oh yeah, no, I, I love it, mate. I, yeah, there's just something about them. A recurve bow will never go out of date. Your compound bow, each year, there'll be a new one, but the recurve just sort of isn't. So it's sort of like you're hanging on to something that you can pass down to your children or your children's children. Yeah. It's just, I find it fun. Like, it's because you're always, always trying to shoot better. You can never be perfect at it. Yeah, gotcha. In saying that, though, how, like, and, and I've heard of, a few people have told me as well about, um, you know how well you just you do shoot with one. How do you find the consistency? Like what? How do you work on it? As far as consistency, I know you said like things happen and that kind of stuff. But for someone like yourself that can continually hit the spot, you know, if I asked you to hit a certain spot at a certain distance, you're going to be pretty pretty close to it. What what sort of? Um, I'm probably trying to think the right words here, but do you go through a bit of a motion to get there, or is it? purely just because you had one in your hands for so long? Well, first off, I suppose it's like uh, when people put stuff on Facebook and I'm pretty guilty for it too, it's like a surgeon. You never hear the bad things go wrong. You always hear <laughs> good things. So, um, yeah, but it's one of those things. The more time you spend behind them, obviously it's going to be uh, – you're going to be better at it. You're going to be more consistent. There's days where I – can't stand shooting because I can't hit anything and, I'm, and I'll be 100% honest there there's days where geez I could nearly throw that bow into the river from where I'm standing <laughs> but then there's, there's some days that oh you just it's incredible it's like when you have a break the other day I was I was coming home from work and a rabbit hopped out in front of the ute and I thought oh I've had the bow on the back because I always sort of do just in case these things pop up and um, yeah I just stepped out didn't think about it, didn't didn't think much of it, just drew it back and, yeah, plugged this route. I think it was 36 metres, 37 metres. That's a hell of a shot with a, with a recurve. Oh, you're telling me, mate. You should have seen me. I, think, I didn't think I was going to get even close <laughs> to it. But, um, 
yeah, there's there's definitely days where you spend enough time on a boat. I'll know myself if I don't shoot for a couple of weeks, I'll, my groups will be hideous. Uh, I'll try and shoot as much as I can. And the, sure enough, there's days you can stick five arrows inside oh, a golf ball at 25, 30 yards. Wow. Yeah, it's, it is possible. Um, there's plenty of blokes I've hunted with, uh, with Rico that are brilliant. So uh, young Jack Crick from Newcastle, yep. we went out hunting one day. And we set up a, I think it was a Coke bottle cap on this dirt mound. And, you know, we shot at this thing for ages and ages. But every shot, he was within an inch of it. And this is sort of 20 yards. is a ripper of a shot. Anyway, eventually, yeah, he nailed it smack on. So even though he was missing by an inch, he was still within a sort of tennis ball size nearly every shot. Very consistent. Yeah, yeah. He had a beautiful form. Like, he shot really well. I was quite impressed on how he shot just the way he drew his bow and... Anyway, I was sort of, I didn't want to shoot next to him because he was beating me. <laughs> I, um, I mean, my opinion of it, it to me, it's an art. Um, I was probably trying to, I take the compound as more of a sport. Um, but yeah, I really think that, like, my, my old man, he shot years ago and he tells a story in that when they used to, you know, go out west and chase goats out Camp Elago and all this kind of stuff, you know, and the, how close they used to get and it wasn't that they couldn't shoot longer but it was just like you know it's kind of set its own challenge and then I yeah I sort of look at it as an art and then all these sort of challenges come underneath that that art um, I don't know if that's the right word to use but everyone I seem to think that is really good at it seems to be extremely passionate about it at the same time yeah you have to be uh, I mean if you went at it, I suppose, half-assed, uh, you don't – you find it very hard to start with. Uh, a lot of fellas will pick up a recurve and they'll be like, this is cool fun for two days. Yeah. Then they'll start getting a bit uh, – their groups will go to shit pretty quick. Then they'll, they'll be like, no, this is this is too hard. This is – I don't like this. I'll pick the compound bar again, which is 100% fair enough. But the fellas that love it and enjoy the challenge, they're the ones that will shoot really well because they'll stick at it. And they'll spend hours and hours and hours behind that boat, and yeah, there'll be there'll be years of inconsistent shots. There'll be frustration. There'll be everything. But if you enjoy doing it, well, it doesn't matter how long it takes to become a good shot, as long as you you're going to be ethical if you go hunting. Yeah, yeah, no, really well put, mate. Talking about hunting, you do plenty of it. <laughs> Have you ever had a moment there where you where you where you just you just weren't confident in your ability? That's a big question there's, too, but I. There's always times when you you're not too confident in your ability when you. It just goes. It just it comes in waves, I suppose. Like there's days where you you're 35 meters off a good croaking buck, and you're like, oh, he's too far away. I can't hit that. That's just. I can hit him for sure, but I I don't want to just hit him. I want to be able to kill him with the one arrow. Yep. But then there's there's other days where you don't think about it, and yeah, you'll hit a hit a pig at. 30 yards or you hit a rabbit at 45 yards or something like that there's that's the one thing that's probably the hardest thing about traditional bow hunting is the consistency factor that yeah. uh it's it's very very hard to be consistent time and time again especially uh when you're about to come to draw on a, a good pig or a deer or something like that that gets your heart racing yeah you mix a bit of buck fever in with your inconsistency and yeah you might as well just put the boat down and watch the animal walk past yeah 
I suppose it um, probably goes hand in hand with confidence too. So I mean, as you, I think you just mentioned before, like if you're feeling good and you're, you're just charging and you know you're smacking everything you you look at, you're probably not going to doubt yourself as much, I guess. Yeah, that's that's dead right. See, I try to go and have a few shots before I go hunting just to make sure that I'm feeling confident that the arrows are flying well. If if I pull my bow back and I shoot an arrow and that arrow kicks the slightest, I go into a meltdown. Like, why is it doing that? <laughs> and then I, I lose all my confidence. I think, oh, it shouldn't be doing that. Why isn't it flying perfect? And you know, then I go back through my head. And if I can't get that bow shooting straight, I just, yeah, I, I lose all my confidence because I'm thinking, this is how I had it yesterday. It was shooting perfect. What's gone wrong today? Yeah. And and that's uh, – Oh, that's the way I am. It's probably instead of just going out and thinking, oh, she'll be right. I hate that. Oh, it'll be right. Saying like, no, nah, she'll be right. I hate that. I can't stand it because if I go out with something that I know is not 100%, there's no way I feel confident shooting at anything. I gotcha. You still it's, there, um, right, mate? Yeah, gotcha. Sorry, mate. I just. Yeah. No, you're right, mate. With, um, I mean, you, you said that. You know, you, you know things right, and you know what to look at. Have you got like a shot sequence kind of, you know, thing that you do? Um, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by, um, you know, just I've seen some of the animals and that you've taken and that. And I know, I know, there's, you know, things go wrong in that. But to do consistently like you do with with the traditional stuff, I'm just intrigued of of what goes through um, the process that that you go through. Yeah, right. I. I actually stole this from Fred Eichler. He, I used to get really bad target panic and um, buck fever. And when I used to, well, still do stalking on an animal and I'm 10 yards away, I know myself, right, I want to kill this thing, no worries, 10 yards. The more time I have to think about it, that's when I start to second-guess myself and okay. start to panic a little bit. Yep. So what Fred Eichler was doing, which I thought, oh, that can't work, when he stalks in on an animal he puts negative thoughts straight into his head. So if there's an elk at 10 yards, he's going to say, oh, it's not going to give me a shot. Or if there's a fox coming in, he'll be like, no, nah, it's not going to come this way. And by doing that, it completely wipes away your buck fever. Interesting. It's uh, yeah, it's just that instead of you knowing that animal's going to walk straight to you, if you say it's not going to come, you start to – you just lose all that – I suppose that fear of making mistakes, so you just calm yourself back down again. And then, yeah, all I do then is just focus on the animal, where I want to hit, make sure everything's right. And, yeah, once I get that shot, that shot angle that I want, yeah, I usually the animal's dead before I realise I've even shot it because for some reason I just, when I shoot an animal, I normally sort of forget um, how it all happened because it either happened so quick or I'm just, that in focus that oh damn there goes the arrow or oh, the animal's down well, that wasn't too bad <laughs> do you find since you've um fixed the target panic it all comes after the shot in other words yeah, you, go to, of... you go to a trembling mess after the shot <laughs> oh mate when i shot those couple of deer at the start of the year I'd, i went into a state of panic afterwards I'd, <laughs> i ran 300 meters downhill I didn't take a breath, and I ran three hundred meters back up the hill without taking a breath, and I nearly passed out. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That's what it's about. I was that excited, but as um, Tommy Pilo would have said on the last one, and he's told me a few times, just get excited after shot. 
it's, it's funny. Uh, um, I, I hadn't heard that Fred Eckler. Um, I hadn't heard that before, and and I've been very fortunate. I haven't had um, target panic, but it. I got to admit, I I, I kind of go through a little bit of a similar sort of thing because I'm I'm always I'm a big doubter of myself. I I do struggle that way a little bit um, with everything, not just not just hunting, but work and all those kind of things, but. I sort of do the same thing, you know. I've had so many stalks stuff up. I'm like, oh, when when's he going to go? When when's this thing going to smell me? Or, um, you know, it's going to go the wrong going to go the wrong trail. It's funny. I, yeah, I actually do that sort of. Maybe that's helped. I don't know. But um, yeah, that's a, that's interesting. That one. I haven't heard that before. That's cool. Yeah. Well, it's, well when I first heard it, I thought, oh, Jesus, that's, that's not right. That doesn't seem right at all. You'd think to yourself, well. By doing that, you lose concentration. You lose lose the whole moment. Anyway, I tried the next time, and I was I think I, was, I don't know what I was hunting. Anyway, I, I was start, the second I saw the animal, I was like, oh, oh, that's what I want. It's a good pig or it's a good goat, and I started to panic straight away. I just started bouncing around like a kid at the olive store, <laughs> and uh, I said to myself, he said, oh, it's not going to come this way. It's it's going to walk off, and straight away I just went calm. I was like I'd been given a couple of oh like pills to calm me down, some medication or something, just straight away it stopped. And I thought, oh, this is not too bad. And it brought me composure back and then stalked in. And as I got closer and closer, I'm thinking, oh, this isn't a bad bad critter. Then it started to rise again. I started to get excited. And I said, oh, he's not going to give me a shot. Then it all disappeared again. Composure came back. And uh, just before the shot, I was thinking, yeah, no worries. I don't think I'm going to eat this thing. But in the back of your mind, you know you are. So yeah, pull the swing back and let it go, and yeah, you smack it perfect nearly every time. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, that's. I mean, and you know, we we touched on it before, but you know, these are the little things that um, you know we love to pick up and and share. Um, yeah, someone will get something out of that. I'm I'm sure of it. With um with the actual you know you shot yourself, do you? Do you have certain, you know, do you have somewhere on your face that your your hand touches or the string touches or any of those kind of things? Yeah, I sort of I anchor in the corner of my mouth with, I think it's your index finger, your first one. Yep. And um, yeah, but I, I do that, and some days it's working well, some days it's not. But if I suppose if you do something enough, it's like throwing a rock. I've always told anyone, you don't, you just throw a rock. You don't aim while you're doing it you just throw it and yep. i suppose after all the years of doing it that often that even if i don't hit anchor point 100 percent solid uh, i'm still going to be in that that real close vicinity uh and i know myself if i i shoot and something happens and the arrow doesn't perform the way it should i know you straight away I, I didn't quite anchor far enough or, or it wasn't pressed against my face uh well enough but i'd I snap shoot generally, so yep. there's not really much time between, uh, I suppose, a solid anchor because it's more just a um, grip it and rip it, I suppose. Yep, gotcha. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of how I've shot. When people talk about, oh, if you draw your bow or you're a snap shooter and that sort of stuff, I sort of, well, I agree with everyone with that sort of stuff, but I'm what I sort of call it an adaptive shooter. I made that term up because it sounds cool, but pretty much <laughs> if I've got a pig running at me, which happens a fair bit down here for some reason, they just don't like people, um, I can yeah, I can shoot that thing on the run. No yeah. worries, just draw back, 
not even hold it and just flick a stick at it and, yep. and yeah, and with great accuracy. Or uh, if there's a fox coming in or there's a, a deer coming to a, a rattle, I can draw that bow back and hold it for ten seconds if I have to, yep. and still shoot. Yeah, that's well. You, you have put it really well. You know, you are adaptive to the situation. Yeah, that's that's hundred percent. See, I'm not pretty much whatever the situation requires. Um, I'll try and do it. So if I have to hold as that buck's walking behind a tree, or that fox has got no cover, if he's going to be out in the open for the last twenty meters, well, I'll draw the bow back and try and hold. Um, majority of the time, in fact, I always miss because I, I missed two doing that the other day. To be honest, <laughs> uh, that was must have been the arrow's fault, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon for sure. Wasn't spinning right. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, and straight between his front legs. <laughs> Don't worry, I've done that. I was uh, I missed a. I've always wanted to shoot a kayak when I've been over the states, and I missed one. I reckon it was about six yards, and I shot straight underneath it. And Ben McCulloch was with me, actually, and he was devastated because that was my shot. <laughs> <laughs> and you would think with all this, you know, the setup and everything we've got, and because it was so close, you know, your sights don't work. So I should have shot it at 40 yards instead of holding the 20-pin on his chest and, yeah, shot straight underneath it. So it happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, it, uh, I'll probably get new bashing for this, but Rowan Walker, he's... Uh, He's probably one of the only blokes in Australia that can shoot as well as he can. He's a brilliant shot on the range and, and hunting, but a lot of him, he could not shoot a fox at the start of the year. We had, uh, I think he was so excited about shooting one that I think I whistled in eight and all of them were under about nine metres. <laughs> could not hit one. Oh. And these things were coming in on a string. Yeah. So I was pulling them up real close, and big fluffy chest out in front. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm just waiting for that arrow to go straight through this thing. And, yeah, twang, bang, it's off. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, it'll fall over, it'll fall over. I said, Rowan, it's still running. Anyway, he didn't know what happened. He could not hit them. It was something to do with foxes that he was so excited. He He's one of those blokes that pretty composed when it comes to shooting a critter, but the, the old fox that had him gone. So since uh, the start of the year, we've been hanging on him pretty hard. So yeah. uh, I'll probably get near bashing for telling you that, but nah, it's, yeah. uh, it, it happens to the best. Good fun, good fun, mate. I've I've got goats that got my number. I I guarantee you, if I chase it, if I shoot a goat, I can shoot it as good as possible. Something will go wrong, and we'll run to the bottom of that gorge, and I've got to go and get it. it happens every time. I don't know what it is, so I just don't shoot goats now. I walk straight past them. <laughs> <laughs> it's always going to be a nightmare of a no, story. It's it's a funny thing. You can be, as I'll tell blokes that, that I get yeah a few messages every now and again uh, about hunting and that sort of stuff. And I say, listen, mate, you can shoot a target fine all day, but yeah, it's nothing like shooting a real animal. It's uh, it's completely different. A lot of people say, oh, well, that's not the case. But yeah, I think that so many more factors come into when you're about to shoot a critter that. It's it's something you really have to uh, concentrate on, and and like you said, missing missing animals that you'd normally think oh that's a that's a give me any day. Yeah, uh, it's it's I think that's what um, keeps the sport alive. I suppose knowing that you're still going to have those little glitches every now and again that um, always come up as good band around the campfire. Oh, definitely. I think um, you know what 
I think it is those challenges that because you don't actually know when those challenges are going to arise themselves against, I guess, all nature's wonders if you if you can say it that way. You know, you know, wind and the animal itself. You know, he's got his own he's got his own mind of what he's going to do, and we think we know it, but <laughs> we've got no idea. And then you know the you finally do get that opportunity and you completely stuff it. And I tell you what, they're the ones that stick in my head. I I can. I can, uh, you know, tell the stories to to the to the minute. I reckon of stuff that, yep, should have been in the photo album, but they're not. Oh, mate, the one the wonders of our uh, technology. So Jack's now out in the uh, middle of his crop. Um, <laughs> we're having trouble with Wi-Fi, so apologise for the jumpiness. But, uh, mate, uh, we'll, we'll try and pick it back up, mate. But um, what's the uh, what's your favourite species to hunt, mate? I know you just mentioned fox, but have you got a favourite, mate? I don't think I could pick a favourite. I sort of, I want a uh, something about each animal that we can hunt. I, like I love fallow. Fallow, they're just, I think they're gnarly. The, just the way they croak, I think that just excites me regardless if we're hunting them or not. Uh, the way a fox comes bolting in, uh, a big old boar carrying on fighting younger boars. I, I don't think I could put a finger on which one I love the most. Um <sighs> If there's one, I suppose I'd have to. If I had to hunt one for the rest of my life, it'd, it'd probably be, it'd be deer, probably fallow. Uh, but in saying that, mate, I find enjoyment out of any animal I hunt, be it a rabbit or a, a cat or that fox that I just saw near the silos about three seconds ago. <laughs> no, nah, that's awesome, and I, and I must say I'm, I'm sort of the same. Um, you know, especially back home here, I'm just happy hunting. You know, just getting out and about and. I think you you make the most of whatever opportunity you got at the time. I think. Yeah, that's that's dead right, and you know yourself too, mate. If you haven't been hunting for three weeks and you get to go and chase rabbits, it's the most exciting hunting you'll do. <laughs> oh, you know what? It's uh, it's unreal, and you know, I think that takes you back to your, you know, growing up as well. And you know, I had a very similar growing up to yourself. You know, you're going back and shooting rabbits, and you know, if you've seen a fox, it was just you know all hell broke loose. But um, you know, the old. You know the the five glass fence post. You know, Dad turned it down and a bit of string and a bit of a uh, bit of fishing line as the uh, as a serving. It uh, it done wonders. Oh yeah, mate. I know exactly what you're talking about. I had one of those too. <laughs> mate, um, obviously this is going to be a hard one for you to answer, mate. But you know, is there a hunt that that stands out to you? You know, it may not necessarily be trophy size or or whatever. But is there one that you know, every time someone starts talking about you, about hunting or what you've been up to, is there one that you, you know, the story that you always want to tell? Uh, uh, you know me, mate, I like to talk, so I could talk about all the stories, <laughs> but if there had to be one, I, I don't know. Uh, shoot those two fellow, uh, that, that, that's not just a, a quick story you can have a yarn to while you're at the pub, it's sort of, you have to get in a bit in bit deep with that one, uh, but oh, geez, I, I don't know, mate. I, the buffalo I shot last the oh, last couple of months, uh, that was pretty exciting. Like that was that was something I've always wanted to do. I I bought a bow, I think it was six seven years ago, and I built it uh, from Black Widow bows in the states specifically to shoot a buffalo, and I I'd, I'd always I just wanted to do that, and I'd been up three times hunting, and finally, 
I was able to get one, which, yeah, that was something different. That, that certainly stands out uh, on a favourite. But uh, it'd be a toss-up between that and the two fellow because it was, I think it was five years ago or four years ago I shot my first year and I've been busting my ass ever since to try and get another one. Yep. Uh, good mate, uh, Greg. Grant Rand that I do a lot of hunting with now, he's he's an absolute legend. He's put up with me for the last three years in deer camp, pulling my hair out and cracking the shits. <laughs> but uh, I was every year I'd, I'd drive up there. I think it's eleven hours up, eleven hours back, and to come home empty-handed for three years in a row or something like that, it was it was painful. But I loved every minute of it. But that uh, that moment that it all happened, same deal. It just it was happened so quick and. Yeah, I'd been laughing for yeah four years or something like that, and, and to get a couple or even just to get one was it was unreal. Like I rang Grant, and he come bolting down the hill, and pretty much it was like a scene out of Brokeback Mountain. I just dropped all my gear and ran <laughs> up, and he dropped all his gear because he knew what was coming. I just leaped on top of him and gave him big hug and uh, yeah, kiss him on the forehead. I was that excited, and that was a that was just a special moment. Uh, not just between us, but that was a special moment uh, just for for me. Uh, just to get those two deer, uh, specifically uh, the bigger fella that I'd seen him on, I think it was day two. We were out there for seven days or whatever, and I think we shot him on the the fifth day or something like that. But I'd seen him on the first, first or second day, got video footage of him, showed the boys, and I said, that's the one I want to hunt. I want to stick with him and... Uh, eventually got him. I think it was 500 metres from where I originally first saw him. And, yeah, it was – I was speechless. I think I was – like I said, I ran down the hill and ran back up a hill without taking a breath. I nearly <laughs> collapsed when I got back there. I This was only like 6 o'clock in the morning too. Like the sun had just come up. I'd, I think I rang my parents. I rang my girlfriend. She was still half asleep. She kindly told me to go back to my dear. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Yeah, so I was, uh, but yeah, that was definitely, definitely exciting. I, I shot a fallow doe only a few days prior, uh, and that was that was really cool. I was, that was sort of getting the monkey off my back after those few years, and to shoot all three of them along that week with just perfect one arrow kills. That's something that uh, I'd really, really strive for. Is yeah, using only one arrow, and when it all pans out like it did, mate. Five metres, two bucks fight, and I, yeah, that's something that will stick with me for the rest of my life. That's awesome, mate. I can, I can feel it. I feel the excitement coming out of your, out of your voice, mate. You know, you, you tell it well, and I know you kind of want to, you want to jump into that story, but um, we probably, I think you'll run out of credit by the time you get that one through. But uh, <laughs> it, um, I like my time thing. Yeah, <laughs> you might as well just go straight to work, mate. Um, you know, you said you, you went and chased buffalo there a couple of months ago. Um, if you don't want me asking, what distance did you shoot that buff at? It was a fair way. Like, uh, I think it was four metres. <laughs> You're kidding me. Yeah, well, at the time it wasn't meant to be four metres, but for some reason, um, yeah, the bull took a liking to me at one stage and he thought, well, you'll try and scare me off with the dummy charge and I sort of called his bluff and <laughs> yeah, four metres. Uh, I didn't know what I was thinking. I didn't even know why I stood there where I did, but yeah, four metres. Uh, 
put it this way, mate. I didn't even see the arrow come out because by the time it had hit the ball, it was I was still pulling back on the string. I reckon. Oh, mate, you're mad. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. That that's awesome. <laughs> oh, mate, did you did you have to go back and change your undies or anything? Like, did you get that? Did, or you probably didn't have enough time to shit yourself. Oh, well, it's a funny story actually. Like, I would have thought I would have been petrified, like, because I I don't don't really like cattle at all. Um, but in saying that, for some reason we caught a couple of scrub bulls on the quad bikes and a bull catcher at the same time but I these we went past Grant and I were on a quad and um we'd spent the last two days trekking for miles and it was hot and it was really hard just to try and carry as much water as we could because the tent was just killing us and we rode off first thing in the morning saw these bulls out in the open and that was Sort of heading in the wrong direction. I said to Grant, just let's go up here, let's hop off, and we'll just wait for them to come to us. Anyway, no worries. We sort of get up there, and we see they're starting to trot towards us. I'm thinking, oh, shit, what's going on here? Anyway, Grant was on the bike. I said, right, we'll just we'll just go. Just leave them, let them calm down. Anyway, so I went up a bit further, and I sat next to a tree, and Grant buggered off. And I looked back over, and there was a bit of an escarpment above me, and I can see these two bulls. And you're like, what's going on here? Like, they were literally, they were 500 metres away. Then all of a sudden, when I turned around, they were 80 yards. And I'm thinking, <laughs> no, wind's right. Um, the tree I'm sitting behind is probably as thick as one of my arrows. So I'm I'm in trouble here. Yeah, real anyway, safe. Thinking, Playing it safe. Yeah, yeah. They can't see me for sure. I'm hiding behind this little tree. They're going to come to my left, 15. 15, 20 metres, broadside, on a nice walk. Yeah, beautiful. Got an arrow knocked, and I'm, I was sitting that close to the tree because I was worried about getting trampled. That When the bulls actually went the opposite direction, I had to actually step behind it because I was going to knock my arrow off the shelf. <laughs> anyway, this, these bulls started to get a trot up, and I looked at the lead one because it was two of them together, and I looked at the one in front, and I'm thinking, he, he knew I was there for some reason. Anyway, I wasn't moving. I was... I wasn't petrified, but I was standing pretty still. And he sort of started coming towards me. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to step out from behind this tree to get a shot anyway. If he, At least if he comes in the 20, pulls up and looks back at me, I might be able to uh, – might be a short window of opportunity there. Anyway, <laughs> he's got 15, and he's still looking at me. And he's sort of starting to turn a bit towards me a bit more. And at 10 yards, he's, he's getting close. I'm thinking, well – I might as well just drop my bow because it's not going to help me at the moment if he's running. Then <laughs> he's getting closer and closer, and I'm thinking, well, I don't know what to do here. He's, the tree, if I sat behind the tree, he's going to knock it over anyway he's, if he wants to. So I sort of stepped out, um, made myself visible, and, yeah, he sort of – I think he shit himself more than I did and, um, as he turned – uh, from the charge, he sort of. I was at full draw. I think I ripped that. I'm, I'm about a 29 inch draw. I reckon I pulled that bow back to about 36 inches. <laughs> and and everything, yeah, as he turned, he, he opened everything up. Like he pretty much opened his, his vitals up that front leg forward and had his head turned. So he, um, yeah, it was perfect, perfect shot. There he went. Um, I wouldn't say I went exactly where I was aiming because I 
if I went back and if there was video footage, I probably would have had my eyes closed. But it um, yeah, hit him perfectly. Uh, the arrow actually went in, the broadhead went in horizontal, so it just clipped one rib. It got about oh, a bit over two-thirds of a penetration. And, yeah, I just I still stood there and watched him. He, the arrows sheared off like a guillotine as he took two steps and just sheared off and thinking, oh, well, that's not good. And, uh, yeah, he ran 30, 30 yards, turned around and looked at me, and I'm thinking, oh, well, I haven't hurt this bull. He's he's going to be fine. He's just going to keep running. Uh, I know these things are tough, and oh, there's a thousand thoughts went through my head in those couple of split seconds, and then I just saw his nose. His nose was just pouring blood. I'm thinking the second I saw that, the blood streaming out of his nose, thinking, I've got you. You're mine. I actually started fist pumping at that stage. While I was doing that, the other bull was still standing at 40 yards broadside, but oh, I didn't care at that stage. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, I just he was watching me, just blood everywhere. Then just toppled over, and I was like, "This is ridiculous. This just didn't happen. This was too, yeah, it was too exciting. It was just too surreal to happen that quick and how it did. But yeah, mate, he he was down, and uh, oh. We uh, actually packed the whole thing out back on a four-wheeler, so oh, we geez. probably owe the bike. It saves your legs a bit for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we uh, we actually did it the night before too. Uh, Grant, he he knocked over a buffalo as well, and uh, we got hit with the freak storm, and um, probably owner said, if you shoot anything, we want all the meat back. So we yeah, brought all the meat back on the four-wheeler and thought, oh, we double up on it and do it again the next day. So, But, yeah, mate, it was... It was one of those moments that I didn't have time to think. I just, yeah, did what we had to do. And the funny side behind it, I suppose, is yeah, this probably sounds a bit weird, but I've actually got a pet buffalo. Yeah. So I've got a pet buffalo running around the farm. So <laughs> I thought, me pet buffalo, and that me. What's to be scared of? Oh, you're mad. That's crazy. But, uh, Ed. It all ended well. Then, uh, yeah, before I could even turn around, Grant and Sammy, he, he appeared behind me. He didn't actually see it all happen, but all he could see is this bull on the ground and me jumping up and down, screaming and carrying on. And <laughs> it was like Brokeback Mountain, take two. Yeah, oh, gee, I, I knew that one was coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's unreal. I think he bruised my ribs. He was that excited. <laughs> he like, he punched me and everything. He, I think he was more excited than I was, but uh, it was good. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty good moment. It, it was something I've always wanted to do. He's by no means a, a monster record bull, but uh, I was just happy, mate. Just close range, one arrow, stick bow, and he was yeah, as ethical and as humane as you can get. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget that one. So you put that in the fallow, they're probably on par, I suppose. Definitely, mate. Mate, you'd, the size of the horns don't matter when you've got a story like that, mate. That uh, that allow that allow to any uh, any monstrous trophy. There's one thing that hunting those buffalo and that. I always thought, oh, they're going to be pretty easy, going to walk up and just shoot one. But no, oh, mate, I was wrong. They're, they're some of the clueiest animals I've ever hunted. Their their eyesight is, I reckon, it's better than those deer. They just, it was incredible. We took one step out of the, in the wrong direction and 
bang. And once they're locked on, uh, we had wind over those couple of days. We got in on a couple of nice balls, but the wind just killed us. So it was more the fact that it was a sort of team effort that we got one on the ground or actually got two on the ground over those three days. So it was yeah, definitely special. No, that's awesome, mate. You've had a hell of a year. Oh, I'm trying to. It hasn't finished yet. So no, no, got a bit no cut. Probably one of the years I haven't played footy. So I normally play footy. Uh, a fair bit, but the last couple of years I've had oh, some some knee troubles. I had a couple of knee Ricos and that just from playing footy. So this year was a year that I sort of said, no, nah, I'm not going to play footy. I'll just recover uh, properly and I'll spend more time hunting. And, yeah, it's, it's it's paid off, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've been there and done that, mate. It's a best decision I've done, mate. It's probably going to be a hard one for you to, you know, work out whether you're going to go back or not, I suppose. Yeah, I like... I love hunting. I love what it it uh, it can do. I love where you go, the people you meet, everything about it. And I want to be able to do that until the day I die. And if it if that means that I'll have to give up football or um, yeah, look after myself just a bit better uh, through yeah, fitness and that sort of stuff is yeah. If that's what it takes, well, I'm happy to sacrifice those other things. Yeah, I can hear you, mate. Um... Yeah, it's uh, it, we're not, unfortunately we're not getting any younger, and as you know, I, I know you know watching you train and stuff like that, and you come back from your injuries and stuff, you know it just gets harder and harder. And not that we're that old, but you know it certainly even slows us up. Let alone another twenty years time. Yeah, it certainly does, and it's something to think about too. Like my old man, he was a brilliant footballer, uh, and he had a couple of oh, knee issues and that sort of stuff playing footy, and he's. Watching him now, um, he's paying for those those injuries now, and I've had more than he has at the age I am now. I'm thinking, oh, sh- that's what I've got to look forward to. But yeah, it's it's definitely yeah, it definitely is hard, and it's it's something that at the end of the day you're going to think about too. If you if you want to if you do something that you love, well, oh well, yeah, you'll deal with it when the time comes, but. If there's something that you're more passionate about, well, you're definitely better off following that. Yeah, definitely. How's, um, you know, probably changing topics real quick here, but um, how's hunting sort of helped you, you know, on your, on your recovery? Uh, obviously, you know, you're not, you're not playing. You've gone through knee recons and, um, you know, how's hunting sort of helped you get back on the bike, so to speak? You know, has it been a focal point for you, you know, to be able to, you know, recoup. I noticed you got the you got the home gym there. Obviously, you need to, you know, with your location. But, um, you know, how's hunting helped you that way? Well, where we are here, mate, it's it's dead flat. Like, there's no hills where I am. So I love hunting hills, but I don't get to that often. So when uh, the rut's coming around, I know well we're going to be doing oh, 20, 30 k's or whatever a day through the hills and I know that's going to that's gonna kill me because I'm just not used to it so that's definitely a focal point that I've got to say well I have to be conditioned for those sort of areas I'd, I'd love to go and hunt New Zealand um, within the next 12 months and that sort of stuff and that's one of the main reasons I've been um, working as hard as I can at the time I can just to try and be conditioned for those because you know all the stories you hear that it's definitely nothing to take easy uh, especially that sort of area, but in the other, in another way too, mate. Being being fit and healthy, regardless if you're playing sport or if you're you're bow hunting or something, like that, 
it's just generally good for your either your mental well-being, but say you live a a long and healthy lifestyle, like it's it's definitely something that's a positive for everyone that I've spoken to, and it's yeah, it's it's definitely something uh, to take into consideration that when I had, I think I've had I've had five knee operations now, and the amount of time that I've missed bow hunting because of those is oh, it's it's huge. So. To get back to be fit, to be strong, be able to hunt as much as we can in the places we can, uh, it's there's no better feeling than that. Oh, that's awesome, mate. It's um, it's funny you sort of say that. You know, I, I, you would have seen it the other day. I, I made a post just of, uh, you know, my my transformation over the last, you know, nearly twelve months or it is twelve months now. And um, yeah, apart from that part, it was it was more that everyone, you know, so many different guys have sort of jumped on and sort of said, hey, you know. Yeah, well, how do you sort of find the time or what do you do this you know with work kids all those kind of things that we all all the stories we got and it's funny you know you just got onto it then you know when when you've got so something you want to do and you you feel that you're going to miss out of it because of your health and fitness i think you find a way and i think it's that it's the taking something away or something scares you that'll actually make you do something yeah it's it's dead right if you want as they say, if you want something bad enough, well, you have to work for it. And nothing it sort of upsets me a bit too when you see fellas that or whoever they they want to hunt a certain spot, like they want to hunt the floodplains in Northern Territory, they want to hunt New Zealand, they want to hunt uh, even really hilly country on the dividing range, that sort of stuff. But because of their their body, they simply cannot. And it's sort of when you think about it that way that. You'll miss out on so much. Um, there's, but in so, there are ways around it. There's certainly ways around it. Don't get me wrong. You yeah. can still do all those things. As um, Mick Rodolfi mentioned, yeah, you don't need mud tires to climb a hill in a ute, but it surely helps. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was. He uh, put that well, and, and and it made, you know, it made really good sense in the way that, you know, slow and steady sometimes wins the race as well. And you know, I credit to you know the couple of guys that i know my old man included like you know they hunt the hills with us and you know my old man's over 60 and he's not too far behind us he he, he just takes the easier route we'll we'll do something stupid and go up the steepest part to get there quicker but you know he'll just you know cruise around and you know half the time they shoot more than us because they're taking the time anyway so <laughs> there's probably something in that madness but um we still haven't worked it out yet but it's um you know, it's the same thing for him. He, he, he kind of tries to do as much as he can just because he loves it so much. And, you know, he certainly doesn't want to see himself slowing up. And, you know, you, it's definitely a, something moving forward is, you know, everyone's jumping on the bandwagon with, you know, health and fitness for all aspects of life. And, and I, I can't think of a better way of going, to be honest with you. So, you know, if anyone gets motivation out of anything that we talk about, you know, um, you know, it's always good to see. And it's... Um, it's humbling when you know we we can make a difference as well. Yeah, that's dead right. There's a, a positive lifestyle that, that yeah, if you can get fit, you don't have to be in saying that like you don't have to be an Ironman, you don't have to be a an Olympic athlete. But yeah, the bow hunting aside, yeah, it's just better for your well being and your healthy lifestyle. And as you said, mate, if you can, if it helps you to get over that that next hill or that helps you to walk that extra kilometer or something your bow hunting will it'll 
jump forward leaps and bounds because you're carrying that extra country, you're, you're seeing more, and you'll be doing it much easier too. So the especially through Instagram and Facebook and the boys, uh, Doug and Mick and those sort of blokes, they're leading the way. The, the work they're doing now is brilliant and sort of everyone's jumping on the bandwagon and I even had a look at Instagram tonight and there's oh, a lot of the bow hunters now, they're all putting up their, their progress photos, their, what they're doing and it's brilliant. It's going to – I'd love to see it take off even more but, yeah, that, at this moment – it's uh yeah I'm, I'm glad to see it it's, it's brilliant and as for you too mate like i saw your photo the other that's that's a monumental effort mate well done that's brilliant yeah cheers mate it's um and it goes back to you know we said something about um you know what scares you that that photo you know for anyone that you know hasn't hasn't seen or whatever but there's a photo of me 12 months ago and my wife took that of me and i was just pulling the kids around on a bodyboard i had no idea she was taking that photo and we got home that night we'll just, you know as you do you flick through all the photos and and uh, and I genuinely said to her, I said, is that me today? And she's like, well, of course it is, idiot. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm calling Mitch, my trainer. And I, I I called him that night. It was 9 o'clock at night. He abused the crap out of me for waking him up. And it was <laughs> it was that moment right there and then that I just found that thing that scared me. And yep. I think I've missed probably six gym sessions in 12 months, and that's probably from hunting or, or being away. There's not one that I've slept in or anything like that. You know, with no excuse, I've turned up, and it it's just taken that one thing. And I'll tell you what, there's been so many mornings that I wanted to go, oh God, just need some sleep, or the kids are awake, or whatever it may have been. Um, but I mean, that's it scared yeah, the that's, hell, that's it scared the hell out of me. Yeah, I gotcha. Sorry, mate. Yeah, just breaking up there a bit, mate. But yeah, no, it just it scared me a lot, and you know, that's that's what that was. That's my focus point, and and then obviously, you know throughout the year I've I've been lucky enough to draw some tags overseas and, and my local hunts and that and that that dispersed me on more you know to make the most out of those hunts as well yeah you, you hit the nail on the head there too mate like to make the most of those hunts like going overseas you don't want to be able to be stuck halfway up a hill because you're not you're not conditioned well enough you're not fit enough but you want to get the most out of that experience you regardless if you don't kill anything, but you want to be able to come home and when you get home, think, well, I gave that everything I've got. And if you can do that, and even if you come home empty-handed, well, that's that's still definitely a, a, well, that's a trophy in itself, I reckon. Yeah, definitely, mate. No, that's, uh, and, you know, that's that's the thing, you know, when you go on these big ones, you you don't have expectation that you're going to, you know, you're going to shoot something every time, but you just want to make sure that the adventure's soaked up 100% and, and then what comes with that, you know, is is just a cherry on the top, so to speak. Yep, yeah, hundred percent, mate. I agree, hundred percent. Well, mate, uh, I've got so much more that I could chat to you about, mate. But uh, it it it's certainly getting on the night for you, mate. And um, I'm thinking we're going to have to maybe do a part two because uh, there's still plenty I want to um, dive in. You know, your stream making and timber work and things like that, mate. So I think we're going to have to catch up again real soon. What do you think? Oh, bloody ass, mate. I'd love to. All right, mate. Well, mate, uh, thank you again, and um, sorry for all the troubles we've had with uh, with connection, mate. But um, hopefully, we've we've made something that people can listen to, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to each other very, very shortly. Yeah, no worries, mate. Thank you. I um, that connection probably probably on my end. With living out here in the boondocks here, I'd sort of <laughs> yeah, Wi-Fi struggles a little bit, but yeah, no, definitely catch up again. We'll, um, it'd be great to do a part two, and yeah. 
um, yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's, yeah, loved it. Nah, it's been a pleasure, Jack, mate, and uh, good to finally uh, finally have a chat, really. It's been a long time on uh, messaging and things like that. I know it's hard to catch you. Ah, that's all right, mate. It's, um, that's the way it goes. I'm, um, yeah, we worked around it once, so we can be able to do it again. <laughs> good on you, mate. Thank you again. No worries, mate. Thank you very much. Good on you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hunting Camp Down Under. Send me a direct message with any general questions or further information on any of the topics that were discussed during the podcast. Or if you have a great story to tell and would like to share it, be sure to hit me up. I'd love to have you on the podcast. You can also email me at huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com. That's it from me this week. May the hunting gods be with you on your next adventure. Bye for now.